Check out our friends at Linquistity Gifts. Linquistity Gifts is a metaphysical store offering natural gemstone bead bracelets, signature and zodiac, designed and made in the United States, as well as raw and polished stones, crystal balls, pendulums, tarot cards, natural crystal points, wands, and so much more. You can even get a tarot reading. Their beautiful signature design bracelets can aid with creativity, balance, focus, and well-being. They can even customize the bracelets for you. Just send them an email to find out pricing and availability. Visit their website using the link in the description or visit linguistitygifts.com and use coupon code FKN to get 10% off your first order over $20. Linguistitygifts.com Back to Forbidden Knowledge News. I'm your host, Chris Matthew. Today, my guests are Dan Baldwin and George Sewell. First, a couple of announcements. Are you a content creator? Do you have a business? Do you have a podcast? Do you want to advertise with Forbidden Knowledge News? Email me, forbiddenknowledgenews at gmail.com. We're doing incredible spots for our affiliates, so come check us out. Our website, ForbiddenKnowledge.news, is also the home of the Forbidden Knowledge Network. You'll find some of your favorite podcasts from our community there. Forbidden Knowledge News is always available on Rockfin, Odyssey, Rumble, and all podcast platforms. Rockfin is where you get the premium content, as well as all the premium content from every creator on Rockfin, and that's only $10 a month. Go ahead, create a free account. Check out who is on Rockfin. There's tons of amazing creators. You're going to get access to everyone's free content, including all our regular shows with a free account. Just go to rockfin.com slash FKN plus or click the link in the description to sign up. Today I want to welcome Dan Baldwin and George Sewell. Dan is a professional writer, often a ghostwriter for other professionals. He has written and co-written more than 50 books and has won numerous local, regional, and national awards. He is a certified clinical hypnotherapist and an expert pendulum dowser, having used the pendulum to assist finding missing persons for over 15 years. George Sewell is author of several books and describes himself as a cognitive philanthropist. He is active in all aspects of theater as a playwright, he has written plays for community theater, college theater, and dinner theater. Vocationally, he is retired as a counselor, program manager, and administrator in the field of addictive disorders, including problem gambling. Dan, George, welcome. How y'all doing? Doing great. Doing fine. Glad to be here. 
Yeah, I'm glad you guys are here. This is going to be great. Today we're going to be discussing your research into the Lindsay Higgins story. The real story is much more than just a haunting, though. It includes UFO abduction, men in black, interdimensional realms, and much more. And I love it. This is going to be a great time. All of my favorite topics. Uh, first, I want to start with a little bit about each of you, uh, a little bit about your background and what brought you to become involved with uh, paranormal research and especially this project. And uh, we can start with uh, Dan. Okay, this starts, uh, my involvement with the paranormal starts about 20 years ago when I uh, felt an overwhelming urge, uh, almost a command from I do not know who or what, but I had a, 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 an enormous drive to find missing children. It kind of came out of the blue. And uh, it was so powerful. Yeah, I, just, I couldn't resist it. So I realized, yeah, I'm not a trained, a trained investigator. I'm not a cop. I'm not a, a detective. So uh, someone in my family said that there was a psychic trend in our family. So I said, well, you know, what the heck? I'll give that a try. Started hanging around, uh, you know, psychic psychics and metaphysical bookstores, and eventually I discovered the uh, the pendulum and pendulum dowsing. That led to uh, you know about twenty years working looking for missing persons, which led directly into making spirit contact, and in uh, researching one of my, one of my books on uh, pendulum dowsing, a pendulum dowsing for the spirit world, uh, George was uh, a key researcher in helping me do that. And in that process, uh, we, um, through George, I met Lindsay Higgins and then this book evolved, uh, pretty much out of that, uh, that meeting. And George can tell you all about how, how that happened. Sure. That's pretty interesting by itself. Yeah. Go ahead, George. Well, I've, I've had a lifelong interest in certainly everything involved with, uh, outer space, uh, space travel, uh, the way the universe is put together in multi-dimensions, uh, just a general interest uh, all my life in that. Uh, in 1981, uh, I was at an outdoor amphitheater production of South Pacific and Shreveport. And during that production, a very large UFO floated directly over the production and the audience. And it was huge. It was silent and had flashing lights all over it. And that just really grabbed my attention because uh, only about a third of the people in the audience uh, were looking up at it. I found that rather incredible. Um, in the late 1980s and early 1990s, I was a member of the Mutual UFO Network and was the assistant to the state director in Louisiana. And that afforded me the opportunity to speak with a number of people, mainly in the Northwest part of Louisiana, uh, who had had encounters or other uh, sightings or um, situations that just confused them heavily. And many of these people were not so much looking for an explanation. They were looking for a confidential ear to tell their story. I mean, certainly in those days, who do you talk to? And when once it was learned that uh, I was a professional counselor by trade, but uh, also had a very receptive uh, nature to this particular subject. I've got a lot of um, wonderful information. Dan was living in Shreveport at the time, and very often we both would go and speak with some of these people to, and hear their story. So that kind of set it up so that um, in September of 2017, um, phone rang one night, and uh, it's a house phone. Usually that's just junk calls. I usually don't answer it, but had an inkling I better pick up the phone. 
And so I did. And I heard a female voice. Is this George Sewell? Uh, yeah. <laughs> well, this is Lindsay Higgins. And so-and-so said, I should call you and, and we could talk. And what the deal was, was um, we, we talked for a good two hours. And I got Lindsay's history from age two and a half up to the present. And Lindsay's had experiences all her life. And she had to sit on them. There was she couldn't talk to her family about them. There really wasn't anyone that she could converse with. And finally just reached a point to where she got to get out. Got to, got to get this out. Can't sit on it anymore. She made that decision and came across a, uh, a podcast that talked about a production company in Los Angeles that was looking for people who had a life history of paranormal encounters. And that certainly would fit Lindsay. And so she wrote it up and sent it off to this production company. Within 14 hours, they were on the phone with her saying, okay, we need to have a formal interview. They set up a formal interview on Skype. And the next day, uh, her story will be included in the Netflix series, Haunted. Uh, it was season one and episode five. Now, as a part of that, they asked her, did she know anybody else in the Shreveport area who had similar experiences or who knew about uh, this type of thing? And that's when she called her friend, who happened to be acquainted with me and friends suggested uh, that she called me. And that's how we got acquainted. And as Dan mentioned, uh, when he was in town and we were doing a little ghost chasing, so to speak, with the pendulum, um, we met with uh, Lindsay and her husband, Tim, and it was just, okay, the pendulum it may be the best tool to find out what's going on with Lindsay. And that's what led to the book Paranormal Pendulum 3. Right. Yeah, I definitely want to get into how this pendulum works in this phenomenon. Uh, I also, uh, are you still in Louisiana? Oh, yes. And it's raining in Shreveport. <laughs> Yay. I was born and raised in Homa. Uh, I'm in, in Colorado now, but I lived there for most of my life there. Okay. Yeah. Uh, maybe we could get a synopsis of Lindsay's story for those that may not be familiar. Okay, uh, you, are you ready to hold on to your hat? Yeah. <laughs> okay. uh, in a nutshell, and I'm just going over the tip of the iceberg here, but about 6,000 years ago, the, uh, the spirit that is now Lindsay Higgins uh, made an agreement with a highly evolved spiritual entity. Uh, I, I don't want to say angel, but someone of a very highly, highly, highly evolved spiritual nature. And that agreement was that she would reincarnate throughout the centuries in a long-term program to bit by bit enhance the uh, the uh, Homo sapiens, the, the race of uh, people. And uh, George and I got involved uh, with the most recent incarnation, which is you know present day uh, living in Shreveport, Louisiana, Shreveport, Bossier City, Louisiana. Turns out that the previous incarnation was uh, in the same same area in the uh, late nineteenth century. So. Uh, Lindsay's case is, uh, it turns out that she is the uh, reincarnation of a, uh, of a woman who lived in the Shreveport, Bossier City area back in the 1880s. And her current reincarnation not only is her experience, but her current father and her current sister are also her father and her sister back in the, uh, the late uh, 19th century. So uh, she comes forward. Now she's involved with... Uh, as related in the book, not only uh, UFO abductions, but she's also involved with a higher level spiritual entity, ongoing, a long ongoing program, plus uh, reincarnation. 
I mean, it's got the it's got just about everything involved with it. it it's a fascinating story. Yeah. Uh, yeah any, um, go ahead. One of one of the uh, earlier incarnations of, of Lindsay was about four thousand years ago in Poverty Point. If you're familiar with Poverty Point in Northeast Louisiana, it's a World Heritage Site. Mm. Uh, through the pendulum, uh, we we learned that. Uh, at that time, there was a, for lack of a better term, medicine man uh, at Poverty Point who was kind of an intermediary between the population and the sky people who were often in contact with the population at Poverty Point. And Lindsay was an apprentice to the medicine man. Uh, apparently, she was either from Mexico or Central America and came to Northeast Louisiana, Poverty Point, to specifically study uh, with this medicine man. And during the course of that study, a lot of her, if you will, psychic abilities were enhanced and they apparently are, are still in action uh, this very day. Now, uh, could you tell us a little bit about how the, the modern incarnation of Lindsay, how her story starts? No, that's for you, George. Well, uh, uh, She's born into a, a very fine family in Shreveport, a Partita family. They're restaurateurs and business people. Uh, and, well, let me just give the example. The, the book starts off with a little bit of detective story where uh, when Lindsay was about two and a half and her father uh, had bought a railroad station in downtown Shreveport, it's called Central Station, and turned it into a restaurant. And during the day when the restaurant was active, the family would be downstairs running the restaurant and young Lindsay would be in her room upstairs on the second floor. And one day Lindsay was just terribly bored and was looking out the window into the sunshine and everything is going on out there. And this is, there's a big second floor balcony that runs along the, the building and people outside were looking up and, we're seeing this, this little two-and-a-half-year-old girl <laughs> playing on the balcony. And, of course, they notified the, the family that oh, something don't look right. And, of course, they rush up and bring Lindsay back into the room, and they close the window. And Dan and I have seen the windows, and it's a huge, heavy, double-hung thing. No way, no way in the world uh, young Lindsay could lift it. So her father asked, how did that window get open? How did you get outside? And she said, well, my friend Morlock opened it for me. And that got into a whole description of one of her invisible friends that she often uh, encountered in the building. She described him as kind of a thin, gray-haired fellow who uh, uh, she, didn't, she didn't know the word cigar, but she knew her father smoked cigarettes. And she was trying to describe how uh, her spirit friend smoked, but it was a big brown thing, you know, it's, and that kind of got Joe's attention because uh, he frequently would smell cigar smoke in various parts of the, uh, the building. And that also continues today, according to the current uh, owners. So that's kind of where it began. Dan was in town uh, doing the pendulum searches around various buildings in Shreveport. And I suggested, let's just go by Central, Central Station. And I got to see if this story is true. So we went there. Dan took out the pendulum. There were four spirits present. I recounted the story, as I just mentioned, and asked, was that story accurate? And we got a yes. Well, is by chance the spirit who Lindsay called Morlock present? And we got a yes on that. And that kind of set out a, a detective hunt 
uh, with the with the pendulum to find out the identity of Lindsay's uh, spirit friend, and uh, that was uh, quite quite the uh, quite the adventure. Yeah, I can imagine. So, uh, I want to find out about pendulum dowsing, and uh, could you give us uh, a basic description of what it is, what it's normally used for, and then how it can be used for spirit contact? Okay, yeah, it's it's very simple, very basic, and for your for your audience, it's very easy to learn. Uh, you're probably familiar with the uh, the farmer out looking for water using what they call a witching stick, a Y shaped stick. He would walk around, and when he was over the, uh, the location of the water, uh, you know, the stick would trend to turn down, and that that indicated where the water is. Well, I do the same thing except that I use a weight on a string. I don't know if you guys can see this, but that is a that is a pendulum. And it is nothing more than a weight on a string. But the way it works is you will ask a question. And if it swings to the right, that's going to be a yes answer. If it swings to the left, that's going to be a no answer. And you have to ask, you know, yes or no type questions. You can't ask multiple choice. But uh, what this does is when you hold this up, it's a bit like hypnotism. Your, uh, your conscious mind starts focusing on this, on this little thing. It's like watch to watch, watch to watch, like in hypnotism. And what that does is that frees up your subconscious mind and your subconscious mind uh, makes contact with your higher self who actually does all the labor and your higher self can conduct conversations with, uh, well, in our case with uh, extraterrestrials, certainly with the spirit world, we've done that, you know, dozens and dozens and dozens of times. Also you can connect with information now, whether that's what people call the Akashic records or whether it's just out there, I don't know, but you can access uh, the information that you want to know. And we have used it, uh, of course, I used it for 20 years, locating missing persons. And George and I have used it to uh, converse with spirits. And then that led into all of a sudden we're talking to uh, extraterrestrials and higher evolved people. Wow. Now, how do you know uh, that what you're communicating with is what they say they are? Is there any type of um, any type of malevolent entities that you have to worry about? Any trickster entities that might try to deceive you? We've never encountered anything yeah. like that. As far as I'm concerned, there, there are uh, malevolent entities out there, but we've never run into them. I've never had a problem. And as far as you know, uh, knowing who you're talking to, it's the same thing as we're doing now. I mean. How do you know I'm who I really am? Maybe I'm George. Maybe George is Dan. You know, you take us at our word. Perish the thought. Yeah, perish the thought. But in actual work, like in, in the work on the Lindsay Higgins book, one, uh, if you uh, if you work with the pendulum, you have a feeling you know that it's right. But on top of that, a time again, time and time again, we would get confirmation of information that George and I came up with after we came up with it. Uh, we also had some assistance from people in the uh, one of the museums in the Shreveport and Bossier City area. We would come up with some information, and you know the next day the guy would say, "Hey, I found the, I found your your guy. He's in the newspaper, and you you have validation that way." Right. Yeah, that and a lot of the contacts with spirits were from Lindsay's family, and from the information exchange, she would be able to identify uh, that this was uh, Uncle Rick or Aunt Belle. So. Um, we were confident in the information that we were getting from these uh, individuals. And as Dan mentioned, we also had multiple sessions over a two year period. Um, sometimes I would hold a pendulum, sometimes another person would. So it'd be different, different ways 
approaching the same material and that which was corroborated, we felt comfortable enough to present. I find it so interesting that you can use these same tools to traverse either spirit realms or even uh, higher dimensional entities Mm -hmm. and and non-human entities. That's incredible. Yes. and I need to point out something real quick here. Uh, Mm -hmm. There's nothing magic about the pendulum. It's just it's a rock on the string. It, uh, you know, the, the power involved is the power of the human mind and, and the subconscious and the, uh, the, the other world. The, the pendulum itself, it's, it's a tool. It's no more than a rock on a string. You had something to add, George? Oh, I was going to say that uh, part of our, our team, if you will, during this time included uh, two uh, evidential mediums. Uh, and so we had the benefit of their perspective um, particularly with the, the entity that we were calling ET. We asked if we could re- reference uh, the individual as ET and got permission to do so. so um, but what, who was, what was, how is ET? Um, we asked that uh, both uh, the mediums give their impression of what they perceived with ET. And I'm gonna pass to Dan on that one for the, that recount. Uh, oh, basically, uh, one thing we, uh, George and I learned about uh, very highly evolved uh, spirits or entities, whatever you want to call them, they have the ability to uh, to appear in a form that is pleasing to us. In other words, if, uh, say, say, for example, if, if they are pure light, if they wanted to interact with George and me, they might show up as uh, as, an, as a Nordic alien, for example, because we would be comfortable with that uh, in the, in the, uh, in researching this book, they showed up uh, in the form of emotion. We were doing a session with the medium out in a park near Barksdale Air Force Base, calling up uh, entities, spirit entities, and trying to make contact when ET showed up. Now, none of us, uh, none of us other than the medium actually saw anything. And I believe she saw, uh, correct me if I'm right, uh, George, but it wasn't the color purple involved? Yeah, she, she used the word purpley. Yeah, okay. So she was seeing something purple. Uh, I, I guess you would call it a purple light or, excuse the phrase, purple haze. Uh, but we were talking and I felt a powerful emotion coming directly from where she said she saw the, the, the purple entity. And she felt it. She felt it also. Both of us felt a powerful, uh, almost overwhelming sense of uh, what uh, she called mother love coming from a specific area uh, in the park where we were seated. Wow. Now I want to go back uh, to Lindsay's case. How did her case involve? I understand it, it led to men in black involvement. Uh, she tells uh, stories of hybrid children, things of that nature. What What were the most profound events that occurred through her case? Yeah, you take that, George, please. Uh, well, in Lindsay's case, I think the most profound thing was uh, we reached a point where uh, well, let me, a little bit of history. Um, going alongside Lindsay's seeing these spirit entities and these other, uh, lack of a better word, spirits, um, was a, a very severe abdominal pain as a child and as a teenager and continued through most of her adult life. And there was an association with these visitations and that discomfort. I mean, she had been hospitalized several times, every test in the world done to try and come up with a diagnosis as to what's the cause of the pain. And there was never a diagnosis and physicians were just saying, well, 
she's just making this up because her mother's dying of cancer and she wants attention. Of course, that was nonsense. But we reached a point in the two-year investigation uh, where Lindsay was getting a little more comfortable in conversing with, uh, again, we'll call it ET, and we broached the subject about the discomfort and the pain that she had been having. And in some cases, it turned out they were unaware that these, these visitations and uh, processes were actually causing pain. So that was kind of, whoa, like we weren't aware that she was suffering. Uh, so Lindsay asked that since apparently this is going to continue, she asked that there be no pain or suffering associated with the encounters. And it was agreed that that would be the case. And since then, she has had some visitations and does not report any, any discomfort other than maybe some marks on her arms or legs or something like that. So I would say that's the big moment. Mm-hmm. Uh, in the Netflix episode, uh, the, the, the money shot, so to speak, is a recreation of uh, an event that occurred when she was a college sophomore living in Shreveport, where one night uh, she's literally taken from her room by a beam of light through the house and up into a craft. Uh, It's wonderfully uh, portrayed in the episode. Um, What got Lindsay's attention about the reality of it uh, was while she was being dragged out by this light, she was grabbing a ceiling fan and trying to hold on with the, you know, the fan and then was snapped into the craft. And when she later got up on a ladder and looked at the ceiling fan, she could clearly see the, the scratch marks in the dust where she had held the blade. So um, we uh, had a session with Lindsay in that same house uh, where we were conversing not only with Lindsay, but also with the spirit of Lindsay as Sally Murph Woodward, her previous incarnation. So that was an aspect that really got our attention that we're able to communicate to multiple expressions of the same spirit. Uh, and that was, uh, oh. that is incredible. <laughs> that was an eye opener. Now, how was there um, men in black involvement or, you know, clandestine groups that uh, you're not sure where they're from? The way that happened was after Lindsay went public with her story, uh, she was in her office at an um, at a local institution where uh, she she has a direct line to her office, and then but most calls come into the front office and then they're forwarded to her extension. She doesn't use the direct line; nobody even knows the number. Uh, but one one day that direct line rang. And that got her attention. So she answered it in a rather gruff male voice saying, uh, I need to speak to your husband. Uh, well, he's not here. I need to speak to Tam. Uh, can I take a message? No. Click. <laughs> just uh, just a, a bit of intimidation. And not too long after that, uh, her husband, Tim, came by to bring her lunch in the office. So they were enjoying lunch in the office. And that same phone went off again. And Lindsay answers, Hello. I need to speak to Tim and um, Tim, uh, I think they want to talk to you. And he picked up the phone and click. So it was a couple of things like that, just to let them know that uh, somebody's paying attention to Lindsay's story. Mm. And in a couple of sessions, uh, Dan and I were asking about that. And 
the information that we received was that yes, uh, Lindsay's case is being observed, but it's more of a protective nature as opposed to anything provocative or um, to be concerned with. And that was uh, a surprise. What can we do to fight back against big pharma and the compromised medical industry? We can become healthy and break free from the perpetual cycle of being poisoned by criminal organizations like most pharmaceutical companies. Come check out what may be the most powerful antioxidant known to man, C60 Purple Power. The benefits of C60 have been personally outstanding. I use it every day and I feel incredible. I have tons of energy, I sleep great, and I haven't even come down with a cold since I started using C60 over two years ago. You can even get C60 for your pets. Do your own research, click the link in the description, and check out their website. If you order from that link or use coupon code KNOWLEDGE10, you get 10% off your order plus free shipping. What is your health worth to you? Now, I mean, again, it's not what you would usually think with men in black, but no, right, apparently right. it's a protective thing. Now, oftentimes what you hear with contact and abduction cases are individuals that meet with hybrid children or told that they've had hybrid children or have medical experiments with their eggs or sperm or reproductive organs. What was her experience with, with hybrid children? Well, uh, what we've learned, uh, George may want to expound on this a little bit, but uh, she definitely has had hybrid children. Uh, uh, curiously, she has met one of her hybrid children, but she does not know that she has met him. Yeah, Lindsay, Lindsay was very suspicious that she had been involved in a hybridization process. Um, and with the, the pendulum and whatnot, we approached that particular subject on several sessions. And um, the answer was yes, uh, that, that she did indeed have more than one uh, hybrid child. Um, she had met them, we did not remember meeting them. Um, and that's pretty much, pretty much all we, we had about that particular aspect. We didn't go into the, mm. try to identify who the, who the hybrids are, uh, but mainly just to confirm Lindsay's suspicion that this was part of the whatever this uh, process is that she's been involved in for some time. And eventually she learned that she was essentially working with higher realms to improve aspects of our reality. Is that correct? The, the entity that we reference as <clears throat> ET has been with this process since the beginning. And the date we had on that was it initiated 6,000 years ago. And <clears throat> There have, there's other, other entities that are involved as kind of a team uh, that this ET basically manages or supervises. It's, a, it's a, that kind of, of level of involvement on, on ET's part. But ET is, is, is always present. Uh, he's, that spirit, that entity uh, is, is constant uh, with Lindsay's life. Do you think that this is at all a physical phenomenon, or do you think this is all taking place in different realms, different dimensions? Uh, do you think that there may be physical aspects to where they, they are doing some kind of hybridization process? Uh, I just want to get your thoughts on that. 
Well, in Lindsay's case, um, we know for sure there were physical, physical aspects to it where she was physically taken into a craft for whatever reason and to another location for whatever the work that was going to be done that, that was just necessary to, to work in the physical. Uh, we did get confirmation that much of the encounters are on an astral level, if you will. Um, so there, there's, a, there's a mix. It depends on what they're working on. Uh, what we kind of gleaned from this whole process is what is sought is to bring homo sapiens up to a level where the average lifespan is at least 150 years and that the sixth sense that has been receding for thousands of years to be enhanced so that human beings will have a much more uh, much better contact with higher vibrations psychically so that there's more interplay between the, the dimensions. It's a much more enriched and enhanced human being experience. That seems to be uh, where this is going. Right. Now, she had uh, profound experiences with Native American spirits and the spirit of a medicine man. Is that correct? The medicine man was poverty point 4,000 years ago. But uh, as a child growing up, uh, and Dan can talk about the specifics of the land where she grew up, I think might have had something to play with it. But she was also seeing uh, not only extraterrestrial, I don't like that term, but she was seeing shadow people and stuff like that. But she was also seeing the spirits of some Caddo Indians who, who were living in this land um, hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of years ago. And that was, uh, well, Dan, you want to pick it up? Yeah, we actually encountered the, those some of those Caddo Indians. Uh, going back in history, uh, you remember back uh, reading about the uh, the New Madrid earthquake back in around uh, 1811, 1812. Enormous earthquake centered over in Missouri. It was enormous. It was so powerful that it gave the impression that the Mississippi actually <coughs> actually flowed backwards. It did, but it gave that impression. It was that powerful. It was felt all over the Southeast. Just before the earthquake, uh, one of the chiefs or one of the medicine men in the Caddo Indian group uh, in Northwest Louisiana received a message from uh, the sky people or from God or from, from someone, someone on a spiritual level, that they needed to move south, that the water was about to go bad, and they needed to go south to find good water. So they moved about 30 miles south, which is now a part of uh, southern, southern Shreveport, Louisiana, where they found uh, natural springs that go back hundreds of thousands of years that deliver fresh water. So when the earthquake came and it messed up the water in northwest Louisiana, these Indians were already situated uh, in, the, in the Shreveport area with good fresh water. Uh, the interesting connection with Lindsay is that her property or her dad's property is located right on one of those springs, it's right next to a bayou. And there's a freshwater spring that, uh, again, goes back uh, hundreds of thousands of years. So her property is located on a very important uh, point in the life of the Caddo Indian tribe at that time. We think that some of the entities she saw were spirits of some of the Indians who stayed behind to basically protect uh, protect the property. Uh, we held, held a session out there with Lindsay, her dad, a few other people, uh, including uh, uh, one of our mediums. And we got the uh, we got to make contact with I believe there were six uh, spirits of six Caddo uh, Caddo Caddo Indians, 
We made contact with them, did a session, determined that, yes, they were there. They weren't haunting the place. Uh, the place was very special, almost sacred to them. And therefore, they were staying there to make sure that the property was well taken care of. But during the process of this conversation, and it was a conversation back and forth, uh, we, we had uh, the owner of the property, Lindsay's dad, there with him. And we said, uh, we want to assure you guys that the property is uh, well, will be well taken care of. This is the owner. This is the landowner. He loves the property. He's not going to let anything bad happen to it. Of course, he agreed you know, verbally right there. And we asked the, uh, the Indian spirits if they would like to cross on over. Three of them you know, gave the indication that, that, yeah, they were ready to cross over to the other side. And to a very small ceremony, we, we crossed them over. Three others decided to stay with the property because, again, they felt it was their job to stay there and guard the property. Mm. So when we left, uh, our meeting said basically they're standing there watching us, waving us, waving us uh, goodbye. <laughs> it, was, it was a very <laughs> profound experience. Wow. That yeah, is... let me point out something real quick, if mm. I may. Uh, one one of the benefits of uh, pendulum dowsing and making contact with the, the spirit world is that you can have extended conversations. You're not in you're not in quote a haunted house, hoping to get maybe an EVP or hoping to get maybe uh, three knocks on the window or something like that. You can actually sit down and have extended conversations, and I mean literal conversations with questions and answers going back and forth for. For, you know, relatively long periods of time. We've had conversations up to 10 and 15 minutes long. And would you get to say it could be done anywhere, any location? Yeah. Absolutely. Yeah, they're, they're not. Uh, it's a myth of uh, spirits being trapped in a haunted house. There are very few number of spirits who are trapped out of their out of their own personal fear. Most of the spirits uh, in, in a, quote, haunted house are there because someone showed up to the haunted house and wanted to, to, to see spirits. You know, they're quite mobile. Oh, that makes sense. Now, I understand you you have helped with missing person cases using these pendulums. Could you talk a yeah. little bit about some of those? Uh, basically, yeah, it's a very time-consuming process, but I, I still do a little bit of it, but I was pretty intense about it for, uh, for about 20 years, working you know, up to uh, four or five cases a month. And I've worked, you know, uh, in the U.S. and Canada, uh, Mexico, uh, Italy, Ireland, England, uh, France, a couple other places. Uh, and the way I do it is uh, a simple process of elimination. Uh, one of the best ways is to uh, to use a uh, use a map. You know, is this person in in America in in the United States? Yes. This person in uh, Arizona? Yes. Is this person in Northern Arizona? Yes. Is this person north of highway so-and-so, south of highway so-and-so, east of this rock, west of that creek, that sort of thing. So basically you have a box of, of landforms or roads or whatever, and you just slowly shrink that box down to an area that a search and rescue team could actually search in a day or two. Uh, one of the benefits of pendulum dowsing is you can be very precise. Uh, one of the problems the authorities have with psychics is they can be very accurate but it does them absolutely no good. Mm. For example, uh, uh, we had several cases where a psychic uh, could describe the location of the missing person. I mean, specifically down to, uh, to minute details, but without knowing where that location is. For example, you know, the, the person is uh, missing. Uh, I can see trees. I can see a brook. I can see a road nearby. There's a little house in the distance. 
Well, how many places does that describe, you know, in in America? So it can be very precise, but Mm -hmm. but worthless. With a pendulum dowsing technique, you can actually get GPS coordinates. I've done that uh, many, many, many times. You get down to, you you can reduce the search area to the size of a football field using pendulum dowsing. And one of the benefits of doing it that way is uh, psychics are, are, are not right 100% of the time. You know that. You know, nobody is. So if you're wrong and they go to that location, they know right off right off the bat. You know, they're not going to spend all day searching a useless location. If I'm on target, they're going to find something. And, they'll, you know, and eventually they will find who they're looking for. Wow. Now you can use this for uh, communication with basically any type of spirit and and beyond, correct? Even uh, like you said, extraterrestrials. Yeah, provided you know the other side is willing to converse. Uh, yeah, there there should be no limit whatsoever. Yeah, one thing that certainly was uh, evident during the two years we were investigating is the other side really likes to talk. I mean, they really want to communicate. Uh, that's uh, great. So that's why we were. Uh, had some very, very robust sessions during that particular time. And uh, one other thing that um, did um, reveal itself as to a reason why Lindsay was having uh, these experiences, particularly the the things that she was seeing while growing up on the property that Dan just described with the spring on it, is that there apparently is a portal uh, either adjacent to or very near that particular property uh, that is a passageway for individuals and our craft, if you will, from another dimension into this one. And her father uh, kind of gave a little bit of credibility to that when he was reminding us that back in the oh mid 1980s, um, Lindsay's uncle uh, was in the Air Force and was stationed at Barksdale Air Force Base in Bossier City. And one evening, uh, he came out to the property with his young son. And specifically, it was to have his son look at a particular point in the sky where a UFO, if you use that term, uh, materialized. And so the, the child actually saw uh, this object in the sky, and then it faded out, disappeared. And the uncle uh, said, okay, but you can't tell anyone that you saw this. Um, so that was a family record of seeing a, a, a UFO, if you will, uh, from the property, and that um, and it's likely that some of the things that Lindsay was seeing as a child growing up there were, were beings and possibly craft coming through that portal. After examining uh, most of the evidence from Lindsay's case, would you say that it was uh, more positive than anything experiences? In hindsight, uh, she's she's much more comfortable with it, of course, that at the time she was experiencing, not knowing what the hell is going on. Mm-hmm. It was very disturbing, especially not having the ability to talk about it. Uh, have someone investigate why she's having these experiences. That was very, very uncomfortable. That's what led to her decision. <clears throat> she's not going to. She's not going to keep it quiet anymore. She's got to get this out. Uh, and one of her motivations was so that other people who had had similar experiences would at least have a Lindsay that they could call on or talk to, or at least describe what what uh, 
their experience was, and that's happened uh, uh, quite a lot, according to Lindsay. Yeah, it's real interesting. Uh, the, the takeaway point to this book for most people, I think, is that it's, uh, it's okay. If you've had this experience, uh, you know, Lindsay is kind of a beacon out there now saying it's okay to, to talk about it. It's okay to find someone to, to chat with about it. It's okay to tell other people about it. Uh, and one of the inter- interesting things about leading to that point is uh, George and I were basically brought into this by a spirit. You know, we didn't uh, we didn't just stumble upon Lindsay Higgins. Uh, this thing was uh, the term we use is stage managed, and we had an actual stage manager. George can he, he's for, more familiar with her than I am, but someone pulled the strings to pull me and George into this into Lindsay's orbit. Yeah, tell us about that. Yeah, that's, yeah, that's, that's, uh, that, that, that's, that's quite the tale. Um, early in the process of, in, of this investigation, um, I generally would get up early in the morning and take a morning walk down Mike Woods Park, which is a city park that's uh, adjacent to the south end of the runway at Barksdale. And one morning, um, it was a winter morning, and the baseball field was covered in frost, and it was real glistening. It was real pretty, so I took a picture of it with my iPhone, and put it on Facebook as seen on this morning stroll and got a lot of response. Oh, what a pretty baseball field. But George, what's that blue baseball doing in the, in the ice there? And I, I said, what? I went back and looked at the photograph and sure enough, there's a dark blue orb kind of hovering above the baseball field. I did not see it. And I didn't even recognize it in the photograph until somebody called it to my attention. So I, I wrote it off as a lens flare or some other camera artifact. And you know, a day or two later, I was taking the same walk around the same time. And I, okay, let me stop at the same position facing due east. And you got the rising sun in, in the frame. And I took another picture. And sure enough, there's an orb in it. Okay. Um, so this went on for a good half dozen days where I could not see it. But the camera would pick up an orb in a various position, maybe close to the ground, sometimes up up higher in the sky or the trees. And I finally sent them over to Dan and said, look, Dan, this is, this is, this is showing up very frequently. Um, from your perspective, what is this? What's going on? <clears throat> and Dan uh, did the pendulum thing several times and came back to me with, well, George, the orb is a spirit. It's a spirit known to you, but not in this lifetime. And I said, whoa, hello. Um, had nowhere to go with that because I'm really haven't got it unaware of my previous incarnation. So, but I did have the thought to look for 19th century American actresses. So I started working on the internet, and one actress in particular kept cropping up: um, Kate Bateman, born into a, a theatrical family in 1841 in Baltimore traveled extensively around the United States. Uh, in 1860, she performed uh, Juliet and Romeo and Juliet at the St. Charles Theater in New Orleans. So there was a lot of newspaper reality to Kate Bateman and her travels and eventually marrying an Englishman and moving to England and being a celebrated actress on the London stage. And uh, turns out that uh, Kate is very familiar with all of us. And in a session I had with uh, our evidential medium, it was specifically 
what is what's going on with with Kate and the medium painted a beautiful picture of this personality um, that she's very much involved with Lindsay kind of overlaid. She's the word that uh, uh, she used and that there's a long history of all of us, if you will, as a team working on these kinds of explorations going back hundreds and hundreds of years in different locations. So uh, this was all very connected and it appears that Kate and the chapter in the book is called the stage manager. And it does appear that uh, Kate put the thought into Lindsay. Okay. Now's the time to come claim this. You don't have to sit on it anymore. Uh, I was in a position that she could call upon me and I could give her uh, the immediate support. Dan was in a position where he would, uh, could, could investigate and find out what's going on. And some of the other people who came in as this thing unfolded over two years, it was just, Snap, 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 snap. It just came together um, so wonderfully that, uh, yeah, looking back, you can see how, yeah, this, this whole thing was stage managed. And now, with a good end. What's that? For a good end. Oh, yeah. Now, what I have come to notice out of uh, many, many interviews I've done, my own personal experiences, is that most people, people's uh, paranormal or unexplained experiences either with extraterrestrials or spirits usually end up being positive experiences after they gain an understanding of what happened after they get over the initial fear that something is happening and they can take the time to explore it it usually ends up bettering their lives they usually end, end up becoming more spiritual um, more open more uh, be, you know bettering their lives in some aspects uh, do you find this same thing uh, you know from your experience with people's paranormal um, encounters? Well, that's I would certainly true yes. with, with in Lindsay's case. Now, George has more more uh, experience with uh, interviewing people, so he probably could answer that better. But it's definitely true with Lindsay. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and I, I know several people who have these abilities and have had similar type experiences, and um, they're they're all very positive. There's no no negative to it whatsoever. It makes makes the life more more fun. Mm. When you realize just how broad life is and that it, 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 life continues, it, 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 there's really no end to it. And their interplay between uh, different frequencies of life is, is very possible. And once you allow that, it, life just really gets interesting and fun. Oh, yeah, for sure. Uh, do you think that the, the reason most people may have negative experiences is just because they don't understand what's happening to them? Uh, and maybe later on, as they explore it, it becomes more of a positive thing? Yeah, that's that's, that's uh, one, of the, one of the reasons George and I have, have had such good positive uh, interplay with the spirit world is that we expect a good positive interplay with the spirit world. Mm. In other words... If you go in expecting something negative and you hear like knock, 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 you oh well, that's got to be demonic because that's that's they're they're mocking the number of God. Uh, if you go in like with the, the the attitude that George and I have, and you hear knock, 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 we go, hey, somebody's knocking. We made contact, mm-hmm. and that you know, uh, basically, you get what you ask for so many times, and uh, you know, we look for the positives, therefore, we find the positives. Right. That makes sense. Yeah. And, and um, uh, to give an example, 
it, early on, uh, even before we formally started the research period, uh, Dan was in town and we were uh, having a session in the basement of the Spring Street Museum in Shreveport. It's in the basement because that's where the offices are. And there is a spring in the Spring Street Museum. And we were having a conversation with uh, some prominent Shreveporters from the 19th century. And with us was one of our research team members uh, who was seated on the stairs uh, going up to the main floor. And at one point, she kind of went, whoo! And what was that? Oh, it felt like somebody was playing with my hair. And we asked the, the individual we we're speaking with, well, by chance, did you do that? Yes, I did that because she's cute. So it was a, a, a physical sensation. And this particular person accepted it for what it was. It was a playful, uh, hey, I'm here. How you doing? Uh, but if she had uh, a belief system that anything like that would be negative or demonic, that little little hair thing would have terrified her, might have sent her screaming down the street or something. So right. um, it's the, the belief system is real powerful in how the experience is actually uh, heard. Yeah. And how we interpret them, for sure. Yeah. Uh, do you think that there are groups or uh, clandestine factions or secret levels of our military and government that know deeply about this stuff and may even have contact uh, frequently with some of these entities? I think that's likely. Anything to add? Very surprised if there was. <laughs> right. Well, what are your thoughts on everything that's been happening with mainstream disclosure, how it's being pushed as a very threatening thing, as a very physical thing, and it's kind of deceptive at – well, very deceptive at times in, in my eyes what they're doing. But what are, what are each of y'all thoughts on what's happening with the modern well, my, disclosure? My, yeah, my thoughts are, you know, have, having a, a powerful enemy is good for the budget. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah, we have not found anything, nor have I in my – extensive research into the subject, um, come across anything that would be threatening or negative regarding uh, these, these life forms. Um, kind of as a, the saying goes, if, if they were a threat to us, they were going to harm us, we wouldn't be having this conversation It'd be over. Mm -hmm. um, but I think Dan's observation is, uh, well, if you got a big enemy out there, yeah, that's good for the budget. So well, I, General, General, General MacArthur is famous for saying that the, the next, uh, this after World War II, he said the next war will be interplanetary war. You can take that two ways. It could be a real interplanetary war. Or perhaps he was hinting at the fact that uh, it would be a manufactured war. Again, a, a powerful enemy is good for the budget. Yes, for sure, 100%. Uh, now, have you, have both of you found in the past few years especially that more people are open to this phenomenon, more people are actually coming out and talking about their experiences and, and are able to talk about this? Oh, absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah, uh, in, the, in, the, in the area, especially the spirit world, I will often, you know, I make a lot of uh, presentations on the, the chicken and peas circuit, you know, the Cornish clubs, the Rotary clubs. And I will have someone come up to me in all seriousness and say, look, I don't believe in ghosts. And they'll lean in real close. But I tell you one time I was at grandmother's house and I swear I saw my grandmother cooking grits in the kitchen. I swear, I swear. They'll, they'll back off. 
Yeah. So yeah, they're <laughs> it, it's happening out there more and more, and they're loosening up a little bit. Now, as far as Lindsay's story, uh, this is ongoing. She is still having these profound oh, yeah. encounters. Yeah, she's still having uh, uh, encounters, uh, not as often as in the past. In fact, the book uh, covers uh, uh, an encounter she had while we were doing the research. And I immediately uh, grabbed the pendulum and had a series of questions about that particular event um, that's included in the book. And I repeated the questions the next day just to see what cons- if they would be consistent in the response. And they pretty much were. Um, so that's a, a record of one of the more recent encounters. Um, her husband was totally aware anything was going on. Uh, this was one of those encounters where most of it was involved with her astral self rather than her physical self, although there were some physical marks that were uh, uh, residual from the process of, of whatever it was that was being accomplished that time. Now, with the pendulum, uh, is it possible to make contact with what people consider deities or gods or, you know, uh, beings like Jesus, Buddha? Uh, I've never tried. I, I don't have the I'm not so presumptive as to <laughs> as to talk to the big guys, but I don't see why not. Interesting. Um, yeah, especially in, in the, the, the books that I work on or the ones that George and I are working on. Uh, we tend to avoid the religion aspect and stick with the spirituality. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, and we're not going after, we're not asking to speak to specific personalities. Uh, we just go where the information goes. Yeah. Generally our technique is to sit down and uh, instead of, you know, ask for any specific person, we just ask, you know, is there anyone here who is willing to communicate with us? And there's always somebody there. Right. Well, that's so interesting. Uh, you two are uh, not the only, but uh, you are some of the only individuals that say that they don't go in using, you know, prayers and protection and some sort of, you know, spiritual practices before they go into talking spirits because they're afraid of the dangers and malevolent spirits coming in. And you guys just, you know, go in with a positive attitude and <laughs> see what comes out. I love it. So far, so good. Yeah. Hey. If it works, it works. All right. Well, uh, tell us each uh, a little bit about uh, if you do you have any uh, new projects that you're working on, anything uh, that'll be coming out soon? Uh, well, actually, yes, we are working on what will probably end up being Paranormal Pendulum Book 4. And we're, we're focusing on the sky people. At least that's, that's where we're focusing now. Who knows where the information will take us? But we're real curious about um, when Lindsay was at poverty point with the medicine man, um, pretty sure that she would have assisted this medicine man as the intermediary between the sky people and the population at poverty point. And when we would really like to know more about the sky people, because they, they show up in so many, um, indigenous people's history, that they're just a, a real free interaction with them and sky people, or sometimes they're called star people. Or Dan, you got some specifics on that? No, it's just that, uh, you know, we're in the, as George said, we're in the process of uh, research right now, so there's no telling where it's going to, where it's going to end up, but we're certainly uh, out here in the Native American Central in the Southwest. Uh, I'm very busy visiting uh, 
cliff dwellings, uh, kivas, religious sites, uh, rock art sites, and trying to make contact with anyone who was there. And, you know, did you have contact with the sky people? What were the sky people like? Were they friendly? Were you friendly with them? That sort of thing. And uh, we're getting some really interesting, really interesting answers. Have you received any answers about our possible future, about anything, major events that could possibly be happening, anything of that nature? I don't look in the future because I don't want to know. <laughs> hey, that's it. Yeah. Yeah, that's Smart. Rule of thumb is we don't use the pendulum or any other thing for forecasting. Right. Well, that makes sense. Yeah, well, yeah one of the problems is that you can forecast the future, but as soon as you take a breath, you're already changing the future. So you know, why bother? Right on. That makes a lot of sense. Well, gentlemen, this was great. Uh, before each of you go, let the audience know where they can find your work. If you have any specific uh, websites or uh, social media sites that you can divert them to. Yeah, you can uh, you can contact uh, me uh, through my website, uh, www.fournightspress.com. That's F-O-U-R-K-N-I-G-H-T-S or www.danbaldwin.com. Or contact me direct at baldco, B-A-L-D-C-O, at msn.com. And uh, I have, if they're interested in pendulum dowsing, I have four or five books out on uh, dowsing techniques, including uh, a basic book on how to, a book on how to use it to contact the spirit world, uh, how to use it in finding missing persons. Uh, and, of course, the, the work that George and I are doing now. Perfect. Anything to add, George? Um. Probably a, a visit to my website at www.georgesewell. Got to put in that middle initial, otherwise you'll go to an artist in New York.com. And uh, I'll have my books that are listed there with some summaries and a lot of philosophy and mischief and just good fun. Sounds good. Gentlemen, this was excellent, and we'll have to have you back on to discuss the next one. Absolutely. Keep you informed. Perfect, perfect. Until next time, everyone, have an excellent evening, and we'll talk again tomorrow. We'll see everybody then.